You are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. This show is for real. Hello there, guys, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I am again joined by actor Tom Everett. So this week is part two. So if you haven't tuned into last week's episode, you know, make sure you listen to that. It was a lot of fun talking to Tom about Shakespeare primarily was the focus last week. But this week it delves onto a much more wider berth of subject matter. We talk about how people don't really know what they need, human choice, fulfillment, something called the human shadow, free will and determinism, life experiences, learning from mistakes and those sorts of things. So it's a bit more of an abstract conversation this week compared to last week, which was, as I said, about Shakespeare and stuff. But it was still so much fun. And obviously Tom Everett first appearance on Genuine Chit Chat was episode 124, so make sure you go listen to that as well after you finish this one, if you haven't already. Aside from that, guys, there's not much else to add here. You know, I've included details in the description of where you can get a hold of Tom and those sort of things. So really, just read the show notes, enjoy the conversation, and then I will be back at the end to give you guys some more information on what's to come of Genuine Chit Chat over the coming weeks. So, without further ado, I give you guys Tom Everett. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. He was very devout, Henry V. That's uh, true in Shakespeare and the real life versions of him. He was very, very, very devout. Um, Mm. Which, you know, as I said before, I'm atheist. So I have to try and uh, overcome that as an actor. (laughs) Not overcome that. That's 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 a joke. I... Yeah, I'm I, I knew not gonna, you were joking. Yeah, you know, the character is very much, uh, very much believes he's sent from God. Well, I believe that it's probably harder for someone who is a religious follower to fake true calling to a different religion than it is for an atheist to. Because, like, I don't believe in God. Mm. Uh, so, like, with me, if I have to pretend to be someone who's religious, because I used to be when I was like, a kid and things, and I understand, you know, we spoke about that quite a lot last time we spoke, and it's like, yeah. I understand how someone could be in some ways you know i'm you know fixated on star wars i have tattoos of star wars on my body so it's like for me maybe star wars is where in that part of my brain which needs some sort of deity that's kind of vaguely intertwined with the complications of my life with my late father and etc it's like maybe that's kind of where that hole is filled so if i had to pretend to be someone of a different religion for for acting not you know go to the country and try and do all that mm. sort of stuff i feel like it would be easier for me than for say if you got someone who was a devout catholic or or actually i think it would depend on the religion because certain like a like a christian most people who identify as christian it, it, or a lot of them in general aren't as hardlined as someone who'd identify as say a catholic so in some and also like for example with islam followers of islam are generally less uh they have the, the i'm not trying to get into a big religious debate and i'm trying to choose my words yeah, carefully yeah, no. but you know an individual who is following islam you don't have the same air of interpretation as one who follows christianity because in islam the mm. quran is the infallible word of god and there's no interpretation it's what he says that's that whereas as the years have gone by and you know the multiple um revamps of christianity and catholicism and things of trying to make it more accessible and etc and widely other things they've become more lax. It's more down to interpretation. That's why there's about a billion sects of Christianity. You know, you've got, you know, even the Abrahamic religions, Islam is a part of those ones, but you know, it's, they're all just vaguely the same story changed slightly. And then Christianity has got so many different sects within it, which is basically Mm. like, if you worship God, you're probably all right. Whereas other religions are a lot more uh, harsh on it and less forgiving. So I wonder if, I don't know if you've got a two cents on that. 
No, I've got. A, I've only ever met one, uh, one or probably about two actors who were Christian. I've never met any other actors that were practicing any other faiths. I, I, I don't know. It is a very, it is a very good point. That, you welcome to disagree with me. I want to clarify. I won't be fed up. Well, I, I think no, no. I, I think it will, but I, I don't necessarily know. I think for most actors, I think they would be able to accept that they were showing you know at least you know or, or their god would accept that they are acting and and um yeah I, I suppose it would be if they were maybe maybe going into like a full sense of prayer but yeah i don't know i i, I don't know it's very hard to speak for those uh people i think i think a lot of time with acting there's there is i mean it is make-believe you know hmm. we have to pretend um there's a a couple of stories of um, of particularly of method acting, which I'm going to say it's just two stories. The, the first one is a very a very famous one, um, which is of um, I don't remember the film. I think it was like The Running Man or something. I, Dustin Hoffman was in it and Lawrence Livermore mm. was in it. And um, before a scene, uh, Dustin Hoffman, young Dustin Hoffman, or oh, it must have been Lawrence Olivier with the life. So young Dustin Hoffman was. Um, probably in his twenties and he's the star of the film, but he, he has to do something, but he's meant to be out of breath when he starts. So he like goes running around the block about three times before he gets sprinting. He comes back sweating and he, and he like goes in, does the scene and he kind of comes out and Laurence Olivier is there, old English actor, um, you know, one of the most famous ever, if not the, and says, what, why did you do all that? He's like, oh yeah. Cause you know, my character needs to be out of breath before I go in, I go into the scene. And Lawrence Olivier looks at him and he says, "Have you ever tried acting, dear?" <laughs> and it's yeah, it's just, you know, don't need to do all this. Um, so in, in the same way, like you know, you don't need to do all these um, things. You know, you don't really need to be praying per se to show that you know, to maybe show that you are, um, you know, a Muslim. Um, which I'm sure there's a lot of actors that are. I mean, uh, unfortunately for a lot of. Um, actors of any Middle Eastern sort of uh, look or casting. Uh, sometimes they may be Mediterranean. They might be, you know, from Italy. But, oh, no, mm. you look quite med- Middle Eastern. We're going to have you playing a terrorist. And that's, you know, almost going to be something they're going to be cast as. Because, mm-hmm. And I'm sure they'll, they'll go into it and go, okay, well, I don't really want to be doing this. But it's, it's what happens. You know, you look the part. So, you know, and there's also lots of other actors going, well, they'll be saying, oh, I don't really want to do this because it's all I'm getting cast as and I actually can do a lot of other stuff. I could, you know, I could be doing Shakespeare. And they say, yeah, but other actors going, yeah, but you're getting work. Fuck you. Yeah, but <laughs> fuck you. I don't want to be a terrorist all the time. You say, yeah, but you're doing good stuff. Yeah, but I don't want to be doing this stuff. So that's the argument. Everyone's always doing The grass is always greener. Um, there's, uh, there's a really wonderful, yeah, really good, it's just a good story. I don't really know if it still ties in, but about that method acting thing that um, I remember someone telling me once where there was a, cause Russia were very, um, got quite big into Russia uh, method acting. So method acting is the, where you basically in America, they've kind of gone over the top. And I went to a drama school where we also specialized in method acting, where you basically uh, inhabit the character for prolonged periods of time so we would do it for like um there's a thing called uh, live in history basically we would go into the woods um far away and uh, camp that like, not camp there we'd be in like a huts and, and like you know, it, you know well well looked after and fed overnight but um it was in february so it was, it was cold 
and uh, you were in character for 10 hours of the day, basically, which is a very long time to stay in character for. And you, it is an incredible experience. Um, in America, that's where you get all the stories of people like Heath Ledger was a famous one, which, mm. you know, oh God, he got so into the role. People get it wrong. They get it so wrong. People, he was so into the role of the Joker that he just, he couldn't take it anymore and he killed himself. Oh, fuck off. He wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't so in the part he killed himself anyone who says that is ridiculous um it's, it just wasn't there's a lot of other things happening and i'm sure he, he was on a lot of other yeah he was on a lot i, of, I watched the dark knight recent well, in the last few months or so and then yeah, but me the people and that blame it on it. the method acting is yeah because me and Megan looked it up and i was like i was like people have said this but i'm certain it's not true i don't think that he could be you know such a good actor and then not get out of the hole. Mm. It's, it's not. Yeah, there are yeah. a lot of other things that went wrong. So yeah, I totally agree of, with you yeah, there. there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of issues with like people getting out of the hole and like people not you know literally not just being able to shake it off. Um, I think you know speaking of the joke, I think Jared Leto didn't didn't he? He he mm. got into very much into the method acting part and he was sending people horrible gifts and that's that's where it goes too far and just fucking stop. Americans Jared take Leto. it too far Jared Leto Riz Ahmed Kieran Knightley yeah. science teachers <laughs> yeah but I don't like Jared Leto for it so actually that's what I mean yeah um, but so yeah like you know where, where method acting gets a bit that's where it goes too far and it's, it just becomes a bit of a it becomes a, almost a publicity stunt I think mm. um, and it's stupid um, but there was there was this great story of this a- actor who um, and I can't remember it was a Russian actor and I can't remember the play it might have been um, it might have been the seagull. I'm not sure by Chekhov. Anyway, um, it ha- has this scene, and it was supposed to. I can't remember the year, whenever it was. But it has this scene where, um, just before going out, he's he's basically on his, you know, by himself on stage, and all those other things going on around him, and he has this gun, and he looks at the gun, and he takes this moment by himself, and he withdraws into himself, and you you see him he doesn't say anything but you just see him make that decision that this is it he has one thing to do he knows what he has to do it's the only option left for him he has to go and kill himself and he goes out and you just hear the gunshot and end of the play and it was huge it was it was incredible it was one of the most amazing performances the best anyone ever seen it be performed and everyone's asking how do you do it you know we know you're a method actor how do you get yourself into this part what do you think of what do you think of to get yourself into that state to go and shoot yourself in the face every night and he says in russian i'm sure um he says yeah basically every morning uh the way that i do this is um to get myself into that mental state of you know to do this thing that i really don't want to do is i wake up in the morning um uh, make sure it's cold in the house and i go into the bathroom and i'm naked and i stand in the bathroom and i go to the shower and i put the shower on and i put it on cold and i know i don't want to get in that shower because it's ice cold water (laughs) but i have to and that's what i do and everyone's going what what do you mean so yeah that's that's what you're seeing you're seeing me make the decision that i don't want to do something and i have to do it so i'm going to go and do it even though it's the last thing on earth i want to do that's what i'm doing what and there's the disappointment of all of them that (laughs) this is it this is it you just get in the shower we're watching the most incredible piece of theater and all you're thinking about is getting in a cold shower 
But it's, that's all method acting needs to be. It's not sending people dead rabbits because it makes you feel better. Like it's, it's, it, it could be so simple as that and it can produce a beautiful performance. Um, and I, you know, that's where sort of uh, method acting can uh, go wrong in a drastic way when people go, just get the wrong idea of what it is. And that can be unhealthy as well because it can, you know, it can cause people to think, oh, well, my character's drunk, so I'm going to spend the next four weeks drunk or, you, you know, that's... <laughs> don't <laughs> he says drinking a glass of wine <laughs> and with the fifth no, didn't I'm... drink <laughs> <laughs> well get it all in beforehand then <laughs> that'll be your true <laughs> method acting yeah, yeah I've like, got four months none. of sobriety and praising yeah. praising God so it's going to be a very different yeah so that's the true method acting lord um, <laughs> it, it's one of those things isn't it let's start behind the curtain I, I think I think a lot of the time as well people want First of all, people, as I'm getting older, I'm somehow wiser. Hmm. No, um, as I'm getting older and things, I'm just like, I'm having these mini breakthroughs in my in my mind, which everyone probably already knows. It's one of those things that, you know, when you think, you go, oh, shit, wait a minute. And then you tell people and they go, yeah, obviously. And you say, oh. And then you feel, that's how I feel about almost every thought I have, because I think I get to these things independently and I, I don't. Um, but I was thinking that... And get ready, I'm going to lose it. Get ready, it's going to go. Just like last time when it went once for me and twice for you. I think I edited it cleverly, so I think it only came out not as bad as it actually was. Because um, there were times when me and you were like, what were he just talking about? And I can't remember. Yeah. Um, the, the thing was, I was going to say is that people don't want what they want. That's, that's I think, the biggest problem with people is that... Mm. In a sense of, I'm not talking about like for clarity. I'm saying this more in jest because it's funny, but like, I'm not talking about like equality or like voting rights or, you know, uh, gay yeah, marriage. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing like people think they want gay marriage and then it turns out marriage sucks. They don't want it. That's obviously <laughs> not what I'm talking about. It's more hmm. so like there's the idea that if you could just have everything you ever wanted immediately, hmm. you know, we spoke about this vaguely with Heaven in our last conversation, but it's just like if you've got everything you ever wanted, you would, you would either get to a point where you're just realize nothing can ever make you happy and then you, unfortunately top yourself or something or get substance abuse issues which happens with a lot of famous people or you just become completely numb to all of it and you end up having to do things that are ridiculous and extreme because it's like the amount of times where I've been like you know oh, I want this thing more than anything and if this thing happened I know that I'd be happy and then you know months weeks whatever years mm. pass and then you look back and you go, I'm glad I didn't get that thing. Because if I'd have got that thing I thought I wanted, I'd be fucking miserable now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, absolutely. People don't know what they want. Uh, we don't know what we want or, or we don't know what's going to make us better. But we think mm. well, we obviously don't know what's going to make us better because we, like you literally like you just said, you sit, you sit there and you think, I want to improve. I want to be better. I want to do better at this. or I want to be better at that. I want, I want to be a better person. And even the fact that you're thinking that proves that you don't know what's good for you. Because if you knew what was good for you, you wouldn't be thinking it. You'd just be doing it. <laughs> so already you know that you're wrong. So and how how illuminating that would be if we actually took that step to think, what is that? What I really want? That sometimes is the question. What do I really want? Mm. What what do you what do you really want? I read I read a really uh, uh tangent. You said you oh gonna run over no, time. Go on. Know. I said but, not to worry about the time. Um, you're not the host. <laughs> I worry about the time. Don't even look at the clock. <laughs> But uh, we, I've watched, I read this. I read this really good book, and it's a fantastic book called "How to Be a Good Psychopath." Bear mm. with me. It's written by a man called uh, Kevin Dutton uh, mm. with Andy McNabb, um, who is the highly or most most decorated SAS soldier. 
I was going to say because he writes a lot of yeah, yeah that's I vaguely I've not read yeah, any of his books. So, yeah, so so basically, Kevin Dutton is a um, a psychiatrist, uh, incredibly impressive doctor, very mm. funny um, author, and he did some tests on Andy McNabb and found out Andy McNabb is off the charts psychopath. Clear as they come, but he's a good psychopath because mm. you know he he's you know the reason that he was meant he was so successful in the SAS was because in those situations he could make the right call. You know, some of the best lawyers, CEOs, brain surgeons are psychopaths or borderline psychopaths because they can yes. switch it off and turn it on. Obviously there's bad psychopaths as well. Let's not forget that. Uh, but a psychopath is, is different to a sociopath. They're not going on rampages. They're just kind of lack the empathy and these other things, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, um, there's one story that he says about, you know, what, what do you want? And he had a, you know, Andy McNabb had this friend in the army and he, all the way through the army he was saying like, oh, when we get out, I'm going to get this little cottage up in, up in the, um, you know, Yorkshire Dales and, uh, and you're going to come visit and we're going to have these nights in, we can have the fire going, loads of beers and you're going to come around, all going to visit me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great, mate. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. You'll all come around and it'll be this place that everyone can go. And then, you know, like, he eventually leaves the army, buys this place, and the, like, for, like he's been there for a year. And he says, oh, "I've been there for a year now. Everyone come round." And it's you know, only half of them can come, but that's all right. And then like six months later, he says, "Yeah, yeah, guys, come on! Like, a lot of you didn't make it this time, but you know, it's my birthday. You know, I'll come up." And and then he's always trying to get these people up, and then you know, he does it again after about three years. Speaks to old McNav, and he says, uh, and it turns out he's living in a little flat in Leeds. And he said, "What what happened to what happened to the house in the?" in the Yorkshire Dales. And he was like, yeah, well, I realized what I wanted wasn't this house in the Yorkshire Dales with this beautiful scenery and, you know, everyone can come up and visit and go for hikes and, and have a few beers in the evening. It was, uh, I just, I wanted my mates to come around. And my mates are so much easier to come around in Leeds than it is in the middle of nowhere. So what, was, what do you want? What he wanted was not what he thought he wanted, but is that's what he wanted. And unfortunately, mm. that sometimes takes us a long, a long time to figure out, a long time to figure out what we want. Yeah, I mean, it, it's happened with me. I mean, it, it's <clears throat> I've had it with you know relationships where you know I've been oh man, I just you know I've been in a relationship and someone I've been dating has been a pain, or maybe I've been the pain, but. Judging from what a lot of my friends say about some of my exes, uh, it was them who was a pain a lot of the time, apparently. Um, but, you know, I'm unbearable at times. So I, I don't think I help the, the situations. But, like, at those times, I wish, oh, I just wish it could work out with this person and I could be with them and blah, blah. And then, you know, you break up with them and you spend a little time away and you go, no, actually, I'm, I'm really glad I didn't do that. But, like, mm. that's not like on a micro scale that most people can understand. But it's when you get the bigger things in your life. And this is something I'm very open about on my podcast and things. And I, I I may have spoken to you about it before when we spoke, but uh, my dad passed away when I was 19. Did I mention that to you? No, you didn't. You just mentioned it briefly earlier. So that okay. Well, yeah, my dad passed away when I was 19 of cancer. Um, I'm now 27. Yeah, so that's eight years ago. And <laughs> it's one of those things where when I, I'm very open about it on my podcast. Like one of the first podcasts I did on Father's Day was with my brother, or one of my brothers, and we spoke about it very openly and stuff. And I'm very, I've noticed as I've gotten older, it's like an anchor point in my life. I, I think that's mm. a term I've heard other people use, whereas like, uh, it's in Westworld, I think, their thing. But it's basically like there's a moment in your life which, or moments in your life that define you. And that is one of those moments, moments where those periods of my mm. life that did. And it's like, you know, 
I've thought about this a lot. If I, you know, if a genie came to me and said, you know, if he said you could have three wishes, I would wish of crazy magic things. You know? But if he said you could have a hundred wishes or ten or something, he said, would you want to bring your dad back? Or would you have wanted it so that your dad never died? And it's one of those things that I've thought about quite a lot. And I think quite soon after it happened, I was like, no, I definitely, all the power in the world, I'd save my dad and have him blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then now, now I'm, you know, nearing 10 years on. It's one of those things where almost nothing good in my life now would be here if the tragedy of my dad passing didn't happen. Because mm. it, and it's not, I'm not saying, you know, his death be- makes my life worth it because of the small conveniences. But it's weird things like the f- the the second girl I ever dated, I only dated because my dad was playing uh, a charity gig. His is he played it two months before he passed away. He was on stage with a neck brace and everything, and he's the singer. And so he was playing this show that was a, a charity cancer gig, and one of my one of my mum's old friends got invited and. Her, she had two daughters, and they wanted me to get with, to get with one daughter, and I obviously got with the other one. And so <laughs> I ended up, and I dated her for a while. Yeah, I know. Holla. Um, <laughs> but I didn't even know that. To be fair, I wish I could be like, yeah, I'm a rebel. No, I, I generally didn't know. My parents were trying to push me to this. It's because it's because the sister was a nicer one, and uh, you know, for a while, I really didn't go for nice women. But that's a whole other podcast. Um, but because yeah. I dated her, this woman, um, who, which. I dated for a year and a half, I think. And then because of that, that is multiple reasons. You know, when I was dating her, I, you know, after that passed away, I then moved out. Uh, my mum asked me to move out and things uh, because she wanted to, you know, get out of the house that dad basically died in and things like that. And so I moved out with my friends and then et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, how many things in my life now can I trace back to that interaction, both both because obviously relationships have quite a big uh, impact on you as an individual, on where you want to live, who you associate yourself with, you know, mm. uh, lots of other things as well. And so I wouldn't be, I'd probably not actually be with Megan now, who I'm very happy with, if uh, if dad hadn't passed away, done the charity gig, I met the girl I dated then, and then the subsequent women since then. And also, oh, excuse me, and also like podcasting. You know, I've been podcasting now for three and a half years or so and i started doing that because i've always had some vague creative outlet of some sort but the creative outlets started around college time when my dad was ill so Mm. i think it's one of those weird things where it's like i I also have this suspicion my mum almost never listens to the podcast so sorry mum if you listen to this one podcast randomly she almost (laughs) never listens she always tells me she's going to she's only lucky you're in for a treat today (laughs) yeah fingers crossed if shakespeare would probably shut right off and things but like i've now looked at like thinking about it i'm like would they have even stayed together they didn't have a bad relationship but they were together for like 24 years i think and my dad's marriage before that which is with who my brother's mums are that was 23 years and it's one of those weird things where i just think 25 year each (laughs) well yeah i mean did you say a term of some sort or did i completely mishear that oh i think i said something like the 25 year itch or something 25 years 25 years but yeah yeah. i've I've heard that sort of thing um, but yeah there's a there's a I was, I was going to say, I was going to say two things. There's, there's that one book that I read a couple of years ago called something like the two halves of life. Um, mm. It's written by a Franciscan monk. Um, okay. And, and I, uh, you know, for someone who, you know, openly has said atheist, it was a fantastic book. 
Um, mm. It's all about how uh, we have two halves to our lives and really we don't enter the second one normally until certain great tragedies. And he talks a lot about um, Freud and um, shadow, the human shadow, which are the parts of our character that we hide from the rest of the world, which is something mm. I'm uh, not Freud. Uh, sorry, Jung, sorry, Jung mm. uh, and talking about the human shadow, the parts that we not are, like the basic parts that we hide from the rest of the world, which is something mm. that, I've looked into a lot, particularly from acting, because those are the parts that actually you kind of have to access and show, uh, unfortunately. Um, but it's a very good book about, because um, it looks a lot about that, and it looks a lot about, you know, that was that was more just a, a bit of a caveat, because I think that'd be something that you might be interested in, or if anyone else listening can identify with it. Um, to be honest, if you had this, uh, you know, this massive bereavement at 19, there's a chance you're malleable enough that you're still in the first half of your life, you know, still young and carefree enough that you haven't even entered into the second half yet, which actually is unfortunately probably true. But, you know, normally <laughs> when you hit that second half, you're more enlightened. And I don't think I am. I think, I'm, you know, it's, I don't think it's something that you enter into willingly and you enter into it because according to this, this monk, you enter into it because of trauma normally mm. um and it but it gives you by coming out of that you then have this great sometimes you can deny it and you can be keep do everything whatever you can to stay in that first half of life but you will never be fulfilled by doing that mm. but you know you can enter into the second half and actually you will be more fulfilled and rounded um but it's a really good book but i think it's called something like the the two halves of life um mm. by some sort of franciscan month but I think it sort of links back a bit to our, our we were talking about determinism before on the mm. on the previous episode. Um and 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 for an actor that's you know, I I still think that's great to hear because there's you know, there's no research in a part and and maybe like talking about Henry V because he's gonna be maybe like a an anchor point um for 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 me for just keeping it into terms of like one character that we're talking about and I'm looking at him a lot, but you know, does he do certain things because of his past? Well, he must do, but also he must, you know, sometimes be seen to be, there's one point in the play he's, <clears throat> he orders for one of his friends to be killed because they steal from, from the French and they go and rob a church or something. I can't remember exactly what happens, but they rob a church and he orders for them. like, well, no, we're absolutely not going to abuse the locals so we're going to, you know, that's the rule now. You're going to, you'll be execute, executed for it. So he has to do this horrible thing, but he wouldn't do that if it wasn't for his past, but he's then got to be seen to be tough. You know, it's all these things that lead on one from another. And the same way in, in all of our lives, that it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because you, you might have had a podcast, you know, you might have, that might have always been something that you were potentially going to do. You, you might not have known it, but you might have always been potentially going to do it. But yeah. you wouldn't have had any of the guests as well. You wouldn't have had, like, you. all the things that have happened <laughs> in our say. life. You wouldn't have spoken to, to, to me. me. To you. Me on that's that's what it all call. is. Everything <laughs> in my life is just all building to meet you, Tom. That's what it is. That's what you're just going to be on my podcast every other week, isn't it? That's what's <laughs> from this point, Mike, we both enter the second part of our lives because it's been very traumatic. And mm. uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be much better humans for it. <laughs> yeah well it's, it's one of those things i say which is um with, with my dad passing away one of the reasons i'm so open about it and things is because it was it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me but it's the best thing that's ever happened to my character mm. because before i mean my dad got ill 
Interesting. He passed away two months after my 19th birthday. He was ill for 18 months, so 17-ish, late 17, 18 years old was when I found out he was terminal. So mm. you think, and he wasn't, in theory, he wasn't ill before that, so it was just nothing. And then he got about 18 months, and it was slightly mm. less than that. And going through it was hard. And then afterwards, I thought it was easier than it was, and it wasn't. I had issues mm. with... Um, drinking and and other unmentionable substances uh, because that'll get me in trouble but like that sort of thing and I didn't realize any of it was coping mechanisms or anything like that I I, I still had a job that I was still going to I wasn't getting drunk in the week or anything it was just you know weekends and stuff and it was just um I thought I was more okay with it than I was and then looking back on it I realized there's so many aspects of myself that I tried to rectify due to the death of my dad in a sense of it. a lot of things I had to look at myself quite a lot and mm. I also looked up the man he was and all the things I admired about him but also all of the things that made me f- so frustrated he could be such a dick sometimes you know people uh, yeah. say don't speak ill of the dead and I say speak about the dead how they are you know my dad was one of yeah, was an incredible yeah. man incredibly generous genius charismatic man but he was such a fucking dick sometimes it's unbelievable <laughs> it's just one of those things yeah. and one of the big things with him was that he would never admit he was wrong. Never. My dad mm-hmm. only ever apologized to me once in his entire life. And it's the only time in my life he should never have apologized, which is when he told me he had cancer. Which is, of all the times yeah. he could apologize to me for being such a dick. Mm. That's the one time it's like, <laughs> dad, it's the, the only time you're not to blame for this somewhat, you know. And it's one of those things that I can, it made me think a lot because I realized that he would never admit he was wrong. He would never really say he was sorry or anything. He would just, if he knew he did wrong, he would then just buy you something the next day and then wouldn't talk about the thing that he was wrong about. <laughs> um, which yeah. in some ways was great for me when I want a new Xbox game, but quite bad probably for me as an individual of learning, you know, it's quite quite important yeah. thing of being a person is knowing when you're wrong. So I think that it's one of those things where yeah, the whole trajectory of my life would be completely different if that hadn't happened. I don't think I'm enlightened now. You know, I, I'm sure there'll be another tragedy in my life. Um, I've got several ones in the back of my mind that I think are going to happen. So that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I've got this, yeah, we must do, yeah. Almost like a gamble in my head. I'm like, I am certain this horrible, horrible tragedy is going to happen to me. And it's like, I feel like writing it down somewhere at some point because I just feel like it's going to happen. Mm. I'm not going to say it. Um, but it's one of those things where it, it's... The worst things that happen to people, sometimes they can break a person and sometimes they can make a person in a sense. And it's not, Mm. you know, there are a lot of tragedies which are horrendous and I wouldn't wish upon anyone. But I try from that, from my dad passing away, I became a lot more optimistic. I was trying to look at the silver linings in life. I was trying to, you know, it's very easy and I can be negative about certain things as well, but it's very easy to focus on the things that are shit in life because there are so, so much stuff in life oh, that is yeah. unfair, that is shit. And that's just like looking in my immediate circle. If you look at other countries and other places, it's even worse. Yeah. And you just think, yeah, who are we? I just try and be optimistic about things because it's it's it makes life better for me if I focus on the good rather than the bad. And I think that I maybe wouldn't have had that and I wouldn't have understood the importance of, you know, I used to be really overweight and my dad passing away, I got very healthy and stuff and lost lots of weight and things. It's, you know, it's multifaceted part of my being now. I look at them, because we've spoken about before when you kind of, why do you want to do that thing? Oh, because of this. Well, why do you want to do that? Because of that. And you can go back and back and back. The majority of, or a, a huge portion of things about who I, either what my goals are now or who I want to be now, I can link back to the anchor point of something to do with my dad. So it, mm. it's a really weird 
place to be. I don't think I'm, I want to clarify to everyone listening. I don't think I'm enlightened. I don't think I'm in my enlightened side of life. I just think maybe I was extra un- un- unenlightened. And then I've now got, I was in the minus uh, half and now I'm in the first half <laughs> and then I'll be in my second half later. <laughs> you know, it's amazing that um, so many, so many things when, <clears throat> when looking at sort of um, backstories or even look at like a backstory of a, a character or a person and, and someone were to, you know, look at, you know, if I, you know, someone looking back at you, Mike, in like a hundred years time, I said, I'm going to play Mike Burton. In this, uh, in this, uh, in this incredible biopic uh, movie event, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so many times, so many things that come back to not. I'm going to say issues. It's not really what I mean by, it, but like parent issues. But I don't mm. really mean issues, but like things involving the parents, like where yeah. it, invo- it develops the character, or then because you know those, and not always. Sometimes you know, for some people, they're not close to their parents. And a death of a parent wouldn't be an issue for them. But the fact that they've not been close to them for their entire life is as big of an issue. Or, yeah, or it like has its own repercussions. Theme, yeah. So it's 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 a massive part of our of our character to look back and 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 think about it. It's, it's, it's weird actually, because sometimes I'm just thinking, sometimes I've I've tried to do it with myself and it doesn't work. But you so as an actor, you get a, a, a character, say you, you're playing whoever, Henry V in Henry V. So you think, okay, so what's his, um, what's it, what's it, what does he want in the scene? What does he want in the, in this act? What does he want in the play? What does he want in his life? And you're looking at like, what is he trying to achieve in his life? And I guess, you know, I've, I've not really uh, done this work, but let's do it very simply. Really, uh, he wants to, his father took the crown from somebody else. He feels guilty about that. I think Henry V still feels guilty about that. So he wants to, if anything, in a way, better his father. Because his father always wanted to conquer France, but he couldn't because he was so disrupted by war and factions in um, in England that he had to settle so many uprisings and almost civil wars that he never got to travel. So travel to France and you know, have his war, holy war in France. Henry V wants to beat his father he, essentially he wants to do better than his father he wants to be the father the man his father wished he could be kind of thing and that's what he kind of wants and that's what drives him and and the reason that he got there was because of these things in his past and you sometimes think back and you think what if i could do that with myself wouldn't that be good if i could just figure out what like going back to like what do i want mm-hmm. what do i really want and what is it that happened to me in the past that makes me want to do that but because we're so subjective of our own we have we've we've experienced it so we're so biased in our opinions about what's happened to us that we there's no way we could ever know what we want (laughs) it's only someone it's only the person playing you in a hundred years that will look back the actor playing you will look back at Mike Burton and go the biopic and go it's this point in his life where this thing maybe happened with his father which then led him on to do you know so and so in 20 years time because you you know you're maybe not there yet <laughs> yeah and then it's like <laughs> I hope I oh, it was all be it was all built into that you know and it, there's, there's no way that we could know so it's very it's very frustrating knowing that it's a really good way to look at other people and go that's why they're because even sometimes you could do it say you on stage and screen you could be looking at a character and looking at a person who is the same age as you or younger and going this is what they want from life 
I know they want this from their life because of this, because you know, that's all you're going to show in that like two hours that is yeah. going to be seen. So you can make that kind of <laughs> judgment is a harsh word, but you can make that judgment on the character or make that decision for the character that you're going to play. It's up to everyone else to judge them, but you can, you can put that instill that uh, characteristic on them and try and show that. But wouldn't it be great if we could just do that for ourselves? <laughs> just figure it out so quickly. I just be like, oh, this is what I want. I'll just go and get that. But we, again, we don't know what we want. Because <laughs> if we did, we'd have it already. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's just like, it's, it's also that idea like, you know, I want to be a better person. I want to be, you know, less of a dick when I get angry. I want this, not that, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's like, but the thing is that I, I only know I want to be less of a dick when I'm angry because in the past i've been angry i've said something mean to someone immediately regretted it and then regret it for maybe even the rest of my life i've you know mm. i remember so i said something mean to my mum when i was like four it's like my earliest memory and i told her that i'd rather spend a second with my brother than an hour with her and it's not the most horrible thing <laughs> could you imagine your child saying that to you and it's just like fucking hell i think about uh... that quite a lot and it's like but I, I think i was four maybe i was six wait i was in yeah, I was probably six or so. I remember saying that and my mum was really upset. I meant it in a vaguely jokey way or I didn't really understand the repercussions of how heavy what I was saying was saying. But that really upset my mum. Yes. And that's one of the first memories, one of the deepest core things I remember about myself. And it's just like, you can say things. And even if to you they don't seem that bad or anything, they can ruin someone's day. And that tiny little lesson, oh, amazing, I may not have learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I may not have learned that lesson yeah. if I didn't, have that and that's the problem is it's almost like with humans we're kind of we're so we're so broken we only really learn by fucking things <laughs> up it's like the only reason yeah. a lot well, like yeah. there's so there's certain people in relationships who've been childhood sweetheart relationships and you know congratulations to those people that is not the most people what happens with most people including myself is you get in relationships with people that you think you have got qualities you want you realize they don't have qualities you want or they do have the qualities you want and they do not jive with mm. you and then you realize after that relationship you know to be dramatic, crashes and burns, you move to the next one and then you have a vaguely better idea and you go, okay, I'm probably going to go for the opposite of whatever that thing was because that's normally the knee-jerk reaction and then you hate that just as much and then you've got these two opposing things you go, okay, I hated that bit and I hated that bit. Let's go more in the middle and then, you know, fingers crossed if you learn. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, we only learn from mistakes. You don't learn from getting things. Well, very rarely you learn from getting things right. You learn until it goes wrong again. You, you yeah. might do the thing that goes right and you might do it again and then it, it do it again, and then it goes wrong, and you think, oh, why did it go wrong that time? Oh, mm. well, there was a slight difference there. So let's do it like this again. Mm. Yeah. But we're all learning. Weird. Yeah. We're all yes. learning. We're all learning. You know, we'll never stop learning. That's the good thing, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. Scary. Scary, isn't it? Because I think, you know, well, you're, you said you're 27, 28? Yeah. And I'm, yeah, 27, I'm 30, yeah. 31. And... And the older I get, I remember looking at as a 15, 16 year old at school thinking like, oh God, like 27 year olds, they're so like mature and like this, yeah. like, they have got everything going on. They're adults. Because yeah. you're looking at celebrity culture for a start, which is yeah. in itself a complete lie. But you and like thinking that, that they know what's going on and they know what they're doing. And then I'm, well, that was four years ago for me. And I am still absolutely winging it. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have no plan. Um, and uh, yeah, if anything, that psychopath book really messed me up because I was like, well, according to Andy McNabb, you know, have no plan. You'll be much happier because if you if you plan too far ahead and you make too many plans, too many things can go wrong. So I was like, that's a good idea. 
I won't make too many plans. I won't have too many ideas. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, now I've no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, I, I totally do get that. It's, it's, it's like with this podcast thing. Like people have said to me, what's the goal with the podcast? What's the goal? Is it, well, the goal is to make enough money mm. so I don't have to have a nine to five job. That is, that's the kind of goal. It's which, like, that's me with acting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I hope I, it's, it's more of a hope than a goal. It's more of a, if it could happen, but it's like any yeah. musician. Like you could you could be in a band for twenty years and you could never sell more than a thousand copies because just either mm. luck or whatever, or you just shit at what you do. Who knows? Yeah. But it's like that. I could be you know the greatest podcast in the entire world. I don't think I am, but I could be. But unless the right people and individuals saw it, it, it wouldn't. Mm. It wouldn't matter. And that's the thing. You know, you could have like I think as an example, Metallica. You know, one of the most famous metal bands ever. They started in 1981. I think their first or second gig, they got signed because they oh, just wow. happened to be playing in a bar on some talents. Yeah. Cause obviously in the eighties, it wasn't the same as obviously it is today. Talent scout was in a bar. They just saw them play. Went, Oh, this Metallica man, they got something good going on. And then from there, Metallica became Metallica. And congratulations. Yeah. Nowadays, you could be the greatest band in the entire planet, but if you don't have got your music on Spotify, you're probably never going to be, make it big. It's just, unfortunately the, unless you're fucking phenomenal, it's one of those blunt truths. And it's like with me, you know, who knows that if, you know, say I never get make it as a podcast, which I doubt I will, but say I never do. And then I could look back on my life and go, oh, well, if I invested £10 on a Facebook ad that one time, it would have got seen by this one guy. They'd have retweeted it. Joe Rogan would have saw it. Boom. It's one of those weird know. things. It's like, yeah. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of doing what you're doing in a sense. Don't like, regret it. Yeah. No, I, I do podcasting because I'm passionate. I like talking to people like yourself and interesting individuals. And my job, I have my job because I don't hate it. I don't hate the people I work with and I can do it and it pays me enough. That They're the reasons I do it. I don't have yeah. the job passion in that way. Everything else in my life I do is just, I'm going to keep doing what I fancy doing. And do you know what, Mike? If we can do anything from this podcast, then hopefully we can just normalize this and normalize mm. that. That actually, you know what? We're not all we're not all going to be famous. We're not all going to be rich, are we? Like, it yeah. would be great if we all were. But if we all were rich, then who would be rich? Like, you know, we're not going to be <laughs> those things. Like, some people aren't, and and even though we want to be, and we'll keep striving because you know humans are naturally by our nature we are ambitious. It's the way we're built. But eventually, some of us aren't. But to be happy in what you do, like at least at least we're enjoying ourselves along the way. And then if you're not enjoying yourself, then then you think about it what do you want enjoy mm. yourself find find something that could make you happier and 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 just do it because you're not going to be here for much longer no. are we? really it blinks doesn't it it goes by it's like, i swear yeah. i swear it was the year 2000 like last year and it's like no no that was 21 years ago you're like are you fucking serious <laughs> yeah even now I was yeah. like, it's 2021 i say it like every day i look at the clocks so i go oh yeah it's 2021 when i do work i have to date everything and it's still I was, not fully yeah. sunk in I was talking to my girlfriend this morning on the train and I was talking about, so Kenneth Branagh did his first film was Henry V. Mm. So he did that much about nothing and he did Hamlet as well. I was talked about, but he did Henry V was his first film. And he, I think he was like 24 when he did it. It's Oscar nominated. It was, it was a great thing at the time. It's still a great film. I think um, that came out in 1990. I was born in 1989, you know, so, but that came out in 1990. And she said, I was talking to my girlfriend and she was like, that doesn't feel like very long ago, but like it, yeah, it's 31 years ago. I said, yes, you weren't born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't say that at the time, but I've just thought it now. Like she, she, the way she was saying it, it was like she remembered it, and I was like, "Yeah, well, you were born. I remember it. I was born <laughs> in the last six weeks of 1989. It's not like I remember it." <laughs> so you know, well, I was there. You weren't either. <laughs> it's not 2000. I keep thinking it's like I, I, you know, I, I, born in 94, and it's like, oh, you know, you know things about the year 2000. It's like I can barely remember the year 2000. I was like six years old or nearly seven. I was like, what, yeah. what do you remember? I remember walking out in the house I lived in as a child onto the street with my parents and seeing fireworks. However, mm. in that memory, one of the fireworks when exploded made the shape of Mickey Mouse. But I don't think that's physically possible. So it's one of those no, things where I it's like... I don't think it is. No. So it's like, is... And I'm certain it was, especially those days. So I'm like, so at least some of that memory is either a dream or completely mm-hmm. fabricated. So reality is, I may not even remember anything about the millennium. It might just be I remember what my road looks like, I know what fireworks are, and I remember in a cartoon it. where it might have happened in a cartoon and then it, yeah. you've like imposed it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, so a great study with like with um uh, yeah, like talking about 9/11 I think they were and um like going off memory and because it, it's mm. such a memorable event. Like I remember coming home from school and I was my those two builders working two builders who worked for my dad uh, who had a building company and they were all like kind of listening to the radio but not in my mind they were all hunched around the radio but they weren't <laughs> if I really think they weren't they were just working and I remember hearing the radio and it was like this thing had happened and it was obviously big but I didn't really get it because I didn't know anything about it, like New York really oh, yeah. I, was, no, exactly. I was 11 um whatever the year was I can't remember the year was it was it oh one was it oh three I think it was 01. 01, 01 yeah. Yeah, I so think it was I, I would have been 11. And, but they did this uh, study with, with children with children that were in the area. And there was this, well, I remember this one girl who like said that she remembers seeing it, looking through her classroom window, and she saw the plane hit. And she gave this incredible account of seeing it happen. And, um, and they then went back to her school. And it turns out the classroom she was in faced the other way. Um, and, and, you know, they're not saying that she's a liar, you know, but the, you know, no. essentially the classroom she was in was facing the other way. She was evacuated from the school after the second, like, I don't think she was even in the school when like, I think it was like the second plane hit, but her recounting of the story was that she saw the second plane hit into it. But obviously what she's done is she's seen probably the destruction, like the smoke billowing and these things. She's seen it on the TV, you know, if, especially if you live in that area how many times she must have seen it and, mm. and, and thought about it, talked about it, lived through it with friends, family, etc. Well, I remember that footage so really, her, really well. So yeah, so her, like. so her memory of it was, yeah, yeah, exactly. We all remember it incredibly. And we'd, we're not even from New York. So her memory of it was so vivid, but actually they proved there's no way she, she could have had that memory because, you know, there's other, there's so many other accounts that the teachers took them to a different place. So the classroom was facing the wrong direction. So there's no way she could have seen it. So it, it's amazing how, you know, how clever our brains are to, to create these uh, things. And, and sometimes it's, sometimes it is to, for our own enjoyment or fabrication. Sometimes it's to protect us as well. You know, and most oh, of the time yeah. it's to protect us, even if you're embellishing a story that makes you sound better. The reason you're probably doing it is because it makes you sound better because you want to Im- impress the people you're with. That's a protection thing. You're trying to protect yourself. Mm. So, 
Yeah, psychology is a baffling thing. Maybe that's going to have to be the footnotes. We'll just make some notes about psychology because I think we could. It's probably a good place to put a full stopping because I think we could yeah, yeah. go to infinite rabbit holes of anything, <laughs> you know, which is delightful. Yeah. It means that you're always welcome on the show because I never have to worry about doing footnotes. Is like fantastic. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about literally anything. I, mean, I still like, feel like we're not really touching into acting, but <laughs> we talked about Shakespeare this time. Well, that's it. Well, that's the that's the fun. It is I find always the most interesting guests are the ones that you try and talk about something with, and you end up going off on a completely different tangent because that's always the fun mm. ones i always like to say to the listeners scott weatherly 20th century geek podcast he's brilliant he came on my show to talk about hp lovecraft two and a half hour conversation we didn't even mention hp lovecraft we've now done <laughs> oh, yeah. it we've now released yeah, the episode yeah. that was, that was, that was a few weeks ago right yeah 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 it was very recently mm. yeah, it was just before uh the first part of the one with you dropped so it's like yeah, that's how. And I think our first conversation was like October or something or November. Mm. So it's like you, and we've had numerous conversations since then as well. Um, it's just one of those beauties of podcasting. It's just sometimes it's nice to talk to someone, and as me as a host, to sometimes be there and just watch someone's thought process. Um, unravels the wrong word because it makes sound bad, but kind of like you know you let the thought train go and you just let it go and you just kind of watch, mm. just see where your own thoughts go and your mouth is just kind of vaguely translating what you're trying to figure out in your head. And it's like, they're some of the more fu- most fun things because I like I like seeing people's eyes light up with passion um, when they're excited about stuff and you're a very passionate person, which I appreciate. And I also like it when you can see the gears turning. And you, you on the journey as the person who is speaking is either figuring something out or is telling a story, and which you're also obviously a great storyteller too. So having you as a guest is wonderful. And guests uh, such as yourselves you. are one of the main reasons I love podcasting so much because it's just like, you know, even though you and I grew up very near each other and you even went to a school that certain people I very vaguely know went to yeah. – and yeah, it's, like, it's just one of those weird things where we connected because of Tonya Todd, which is someone who lives in America who I only contacted because <laughs> of mutual friend after mutual friend from podcasting. Yeah. So it's just me and you having this conversation couldn't be possible, really, if I hadn't been podcasting. And it's just, it's a cool, fun conversation. So, and I think at the end there, when you sort of spoke about, um, well, there's, there's so many pits here where I could take out a five-minute snippet and we could just release that as a, a guide to life. And it's like, this: yeah. don't, you know, don't have too many big goals. Don't have this, don't have that. So fin- wrapping all of that up then, your final statement, and then I will stop recording. Well, I... Um... <laughs> I'll include links in your, your, to your, your Instagram. And if I've got a, 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 snippet, a snippet of... Uh something I remember that Dr. Zeus said, but I was going to say life is weird and wonderful and just enjoy the weirdness. And it sort of links into that, but it, it's not really what we talked about, but there's a, a Dr. Zeus quote that said, uh, we're all a little bit weird and life is a little bit weird. And sometimes we find another person who's a little bit weird like us and we fall in mutual weirdness with them and we call it love. And that's what I think I'll end on. <laughs> Wonderful. Can't top that. Awesome, awesome. Well, it was a pleasure speaking with you as always, Tom. Thank you, Mike. Absolute pleasure to be on the show again. I'm very, very happy you have me. It's, it's all good. You're always welcome. And that <laughs> is where we'll hang up the call. Boom. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Be sure to check the show notes for information on Tom Everett and where you can get a hold of him and whatnot. And make sure you check out episode 124 of Genuine Chit Chat as well, if you haven't already, because that was Tom Everett's first appearance.
So what have we got coming up? Well, next week's episode is going to be another episode of UK versus US. I did one of them at Christmas with Moxie Labouche and my self-proclaimed co-host Megan, who sometimes pops up, and we did another one. It's not a Christmas edition because releasing that in August would be quite peculiar. Um, so it's just like a standard edition. Uh, if you guys enjoyed the one at Christmas, then you're sure to enjoy this one. Moxie Labouche of the Your Brain on Facts podcast is always a delight to have on the show, so that will be released next week. Uh, the two weeks after that, I'm going to be away. I'm going to be sort of traveling around the UK um, with Megan a little bit. And so I'm going to release a couple of bonus episodes and things. Um, One is likely to be a road trip episode. When me and Megan went on a road trip in May, I recorded it and put it on my Patreon for any supporters to be able to listen to it. So I'm probably going to put the recording of that one on this main feed probably next week. And then I'm going to also be recording while me and Megan are away and be releasing those road trip episodes onto Patreon directly. So if you want to support the show for as little as £1 a month, get early access to stuff, get some exclusive content, get afterthoughts episodes, those sort of things, then make sure you check out patreon.com slash genuine chat. Then aside from that, guys, um, in the future, I've got a few things in the pipeline to record as well. I do actually have one podcast recording next week. So after the holiday and whatnot, I will have at least one episode ready to go and release. And then I've got some things in the pipeline to be recorded over the coming weeks and whatnot. So that should be a barrel of fun too. Aside from that, guys, really just check out the details in the show notes. I recently appeared on Star Wars Timeline, uh, which is a YouTube show. I went on the podcast, Timecast, and spoke about the three different Star Wars trilogies for about two hours. That was loads of fun. Um, I've also done episodes on the Loki series with Megan and Tonya Todd. Uh, I've spoken about the Black Widow as well um, movie. I've also recently been on an episode of Indie Comics Spotlight to talk about some Flintstone comics, an episode of Mandatory Marvel and DC to talk about some Batman comics, uh, and also on my Patreon as of today, an episode has just gone up which is one of my first afterthoughts about comics, and I tackled a death in the family and a lonely place of dying. It was just a 10 minute thing, it was more of a tester to see how people feel about it, so if anyone wants to support the show, as I said, you get hours of additional content every month, and it helps keep the motor running on this amazing show. But aside from that, guys, I think I'm going to end it here. I don't want to ramble on too much. I hope you guys have good weekends and whatnot. Uh, Make sure you check out Tom Everett. Make sure you check out the show notes with all the links to all the other things I'm involved with at this moment in time. And uh, yeah, so thanks as always for listening, guys. And I'll talk to you next week. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.